This is Biz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, we find ourselves trying to find comfort in how low the low bar can be with Laura Cathcart Robbins, author of Stash, My Life in Hiding. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for the song. <laughs> You're welcome. It's early and I'm yes. recovering from a field trip. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. One whale of a field trip. No, it I, was a whale of a everybody. We're just going to keep you on pins and needles yes, about yes, the field trip because yes. I want to talk with Laura before I yes. share that choice that I made. Speaking <laughs> of choices, Laura, who lives in your house? Who lives in my house is Scott, who is my boyfriend. He's the co-host and producer of my podcast. Yeah, the only one in the room and. <laughs> yes. He's also kind of the co-host and producer of my life, <laughs> my professional life. <laughs> he really is. I mean, not just my professional life. Like he's, he grocery shops, he cooks, he makes sure oh, that God. I'm fed. You know, he's just like one of those, those menchy guys. And <laughs> the other person that lives in my house right now is we had twin Labradoodles until oh. Thanksgiving. They were four, <gasps> 14 and we lost Venus, so we still have Serena. So Serena oh, is... Oh, well, you named him after the tennis stars. That's we the best. We did. We did. So she a is 14. Telling. Is it a little telling? You know, Serena is still here Yeah, Venus. Right. I mean, like, I always feel bad for Venus. I'm like, Venus, yeah. you are your own person. I, Why are you constantly being... This, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I'm very sorry to Thank hear you. about Thank your you. loss. Yeah. But I'm glad Serena is still going strong. You've got two children, too. I do. They don't have to be. They can totally come in that order. Yes. Like a, after the Labradoodles. May I ask how old they are at yeah. this stage? My um, oldest one is 25. And oh, my God. <laughs> the younger one is 23. Gee, yeah, they don't live there. <laughs> they, do, they don't. Well, actually, honestly, the 23-year-old yeah. did until about six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. And yeah. some stuff may have happened over the last couple of years that, you know, or, yeah. or, or we can certainly blame the pandemic. Or Absolutely. Or we have that <laughs> child. My child, my youngest, is promising to live with me forever. Yes. So, and there's a, there's a good chance that could happen, despite well, what I want. <laughs> I'll tell you, I was really, like, secretly hoping he never moved out. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, that's, but... I was rooting for him to do so yeah. outwardly, yeah. you know, so, yeah. and he did. Yeah. <laughs> he fulfilled, he fulfilled, he fulfilled that potential. milestone. Yes. Yes. Do we consider them milestones once they hit a certain age? Because I feel like that's like the walking milestone, the like talking, the first kiss, mile, I don't know if that's a milestone, and then the I finally left my parents' house milestone. Yes. That there could be a regression on. I mean, just, let's just be clear. Right. Like all, like all milestones, <laughs> there's always a chance yes. for it to go back. There's always a room <laughs> for him here. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that looks like. That's right. I, no, May I have... think they're absolutely milestones. A first yeah. girlfriend, oh. you know, first place, yeah. like graduation, like all those things are milestones. That's, yeah. Yeah. Here's a question before we get in the book, though I think it ties in. With just the Labradoodle at yeah. home, is it less tiring once they're gone? I mean, because I really see tiring as like, there's no, we never get back to a baseline, right? Like it just adds and adds and adds. And then you think, we all have those moments of like, oh my God, if I just have like a week, if I had like a year, if I could get hit by bus if I could like whatever then I'll catch up so and it's okay if the answer is no but like what is that space like in terms of that exhaustion <laughs> you know I tell my friends I have you know I'm 58 but I feel like I don't ever know how, how old anyone is like I have right. friends that are in their 70s and I have friends that are in their 20s like friends yeah. Not just acquaintances. And I have a lot of friends who are having kids or have little kids right now. 
And I'm like, there is hope <laughs> at oh, the <God>. end. <laughs> Because it's all the good stuff. Like my kids come over every Sunday for dinner. We have a family dinner. We go to all like the Marvel movie openings together as a family. We're going to go to The Flash as a family. Like we still do all this stuff. I still get all the smushy stuff. Yeah. You know, I get calls, actual phone calls every day from my kids. Every day. Oh my God. What did you do? I just had to text them both. Right. Good job. Good job. (laughs) But... We don't have any of the the labor that yeah. goes with it. I mean, I'm kind of both of their assistants. Right. So there's there's that. Like, can you make this appointment for me? Like, how much does this cost? And yeah, can yeah, you set yeah. this up? But that's not really labor intensive. It was raising them. That was yep. the labor intensive part. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is, that is a, be- thank you. You just set me <laughs> right up for that segue. Yes. So Stash is your memoir, A Life in Hiding. It is about an addiction that you develop, among other things happening in your life right there. So I obviously want to ask and let you be the one to describe that. But I want to start with a really unpleasant question. And that is, do you think you would have found yourself in the place that you wound up with this addiction if you had not had kids? Because kids are fucking like I I honestly do not think we really we like very flippantly say things like oh it's so hard it's so I'm so tired I just need this removal I don't know how to find whatever that is that space I can be removed from it we just sort of like oh they'll they'll grow up and they'll be gone one day and you'll really miss them and and like so because i I've been in very dark places and very hard places. So I, I know what my answer would be. <laughs> I, that's a really, no one's ever asked me that. Um, I think that this addiction that I had to Ambien would have found me in some other form. Okay. Um, with or without kids. But I don't think, I, I think I could have lived with it. Mm-hmm. And managed it maybe for the rest of my life and had a very lonely, solitary life. Yeah. That was just full of secrets and hidings, et cetera, et cetera. I think that had I not had kids, it wouldn't have brought it to a head when it did. Mm-hmm. I also would not have checked into treatment if I didn't have kids. Okay. Like, I think that's why I would have lived with it for longer. And you know, maybe it would have killed me, but I don't know that it would have escalated the way that it did as quickly as it did if I didn't have kids. You're right. Well, I want to talk about the hiding because like, you know, and we'll get into, you know, race and class and all the things that fuck, <laughs> fuck us all up, you know, yes. like especially yes. in parenting. But like you on the outside, as, I mean, look, we are both PTA presidents, all right? Yes. You and I both carry, I mean, no matter how you, WPO, PT, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. We, we both share the hand raising, right? Yes. And you were PTA president, you know, all the, married to the, I also kind of hate this, like, I'm sorry, everybody, I'm going all over the place, but I promise I'm going to bring us back. (laughs) You were defined by a lot of roles. Yes. PTA president, wife of film Mm -hmm. director, right? Uh, Mom, uh, all these things, Mm -hmm. including the ones that are racing class, wealthy, African-American, you know, like all of these things. And yet what no one saw was this addiction. And I think when we hear addiction, it's a very specific narrative that is not true always in every case it's sort of like the rape scenario of it's only a masked guy in a alley and that's the only scenario right Mm -hmm. addiction you probably were criminal uh it's heroin it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. but that's not so can you tell us about how it sort of developed that ambient and like things that are very easy to access yeah. Take us, take, take, we, do you mind taking us there? No, I mean, I know you wrote no. a book about it, but. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. And you're right. Addiction, addiction is a spectrum. And there, there are, you know, people who 
just continue to indulge in something despite negative consequences and they're okay and they look okay to everybody else and they can live with it. And there are people who wind up dead or in jail or homicidal um, because of their addiction and it takes them to the absolute darkest places. And I think for me, mine, in my mind, I was at the higher end of the spectrum, but in looking at my story on paper, I can see that I was very much edging toward the lower end of the spectrum. And um, the way that the way that it started for me was I had, and I know that your listeners can relate to this next part, <laughs> but I had two kids back to back, one in 98 and one in 99, both boys. They were, they're what they did not call them spirited children then, but I understand that's the name for them now. Yeah, yes. spirited. Isn't yes. that cute? Do you mean that you're crying all the time? And right. like, <laughs> Everything. Yeah. yeah. And they were bedwetters and they oh were desperate to sleep with me, you know, yeah, to the point the of all the, all the things. And, you know, we, we really tried my, my ex-husband and I, we tried to do all the things that one is supposed to do, sleep training them, you know, nap right. training them. But then someone would get sick and it was just so exhausting. Yep. And I would just bring them into my bed yes, so I could just fucking get some sleep at yes. the end of the day for three to five yeah. or three FYI, to six. Good for yeah. you. Like, yeah. <laughs> whatever you got to do. Exactly. Right? To get that sleep. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. But but the schedule in our house was such that because my ex-husband at the time was a director and he was on a project for most of those first three years, Oof. either he was leaving early, shooting nights, or gone. Yeah. And so um, I very much, I don't want to make it sound like he was absent entirely. He was still my partner. He, we still made parenting decisions together, but the day-to-day logistics yeah. were on me. And I, I, was, I was starting to, not starting to, I was very much the kind of mom that I didn't want to be. I was short-tempered. Mm-hmm. I was frazzled. I was forgetful. I was just exhausted, but not in in a way that I could express to anybody without sobbing. Right. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I, 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 I am familiar. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 And, and so it was during one of these periods that I called my, um, my doctor and first actually my, at my six week checkup, my, I, I ventured very, very, you know, timidly to my OBGYN, might I have postpartum depression? Right. Because, and, and he's, he, he didn't agree that I did. And I, I, I don't know how much blame I want to um, give him, but I think what happened was one, I present really well and I yep. made it a point to do so that day. Yes. Um, also what I think I had was postpartum anxiety and not depression because right. I wasn't ever flat. I wasn't staying in bed. I wasn't, I mean, I was, there are other things that go along with depression that other symptoms that I know now that I wasn't exhibiting, but I was very much experiencing anxiety, which was new to me and I didn't have a name for it. So I had this thing that I described like an alarm bell ringing in my head for a year and I wanted to just shut it off for a night. And my, my regular doctor offered me a sleep aid called Ambien, which I had not heard of at that point. Yeah, this was what? Yeah, this was 98, 90, right? Yeah, like this, was, this was, well, no, no this was like no, 2001. Still, yeah. Yeah. And um, 2002, maybe. And because it was six years. Yeah. And, and, it, and you know, I, I took that pill and I got the silence I'd been hoping for. And more importantly than that blissful night's sleep, which I loved, I was able to be the kind of mom that I wanted to be the next day. I had energy. I had all the patience in the world. I was curious. I was generous. I was like the sleepover mom. Like I would entertain their friends and make everything, you know, I wanted to be that mom. And so in my mind, these pills were the support I needed in order to show up for my family the way I wanted to. Um, I did, I didn't see them as anything other than that until I became addicted to them. Right. And, and I wasn't addicted to them at first. It was a year 
And then like the second year, I had to take a little bit more to get to sleep than I had the first year. And then the third year, I had to wake up in the middle of the night and take a little bit because I was waking up. And, you know, by by year six in the year 2008, which is the year I detail in the book, I was taking 10, um, mostly at night after my kids. 10 Ambien. Yeah, 10 Ambien. Um, That's a lot. (laughs) One, I (laughs) I mean, you you may not know this, Laura. Yeah, but it's, it's a lethal dose. A it's, le- it's lethal, and I was washing yeah. it down with vodka, of and I was boosting course. it with Benadryl. Yeah, all in yeah. all in service of getting. Well, actually, that's not true. At the end of my addiction, the the months that I write about in the book, it was in service of not being in withdrawal. Because right. if I didn't have enough in my system, one, I could not sleep, and two, I was in such debilitating withdrawal that I couldn't have gone through my day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back to this like idea of the roles, right? Mm. Um and you know, PTA president, board member. Board member, mm-hmm. mom. As mm-hmm. I know when you PTA president, you're like there and everybody's like, How do you do it? And you know, and I'm like, Well, it'd be a lot easier if there were volunteers. <laughs> yeah. That that's my current state of mind. It's the end of the year. But like <laughs> I think there is the role of addict Mm -hmm. that is not a role we share very often and I wonder what was the transition like going from I this is the role of taking something that allows me to be this great mom that I want to be to the role of I am an addict and then where are you now like how how would you, I mean, I fucking hate labels and here I am asking you to label yourself. You're welcome. <laughs> what space do you exist in now? Right. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like uh, with that. The transition in my head from going to, you know, the mom that everybody wanted to be or be right. like the leadership, you know, yeah. position that I held in this school, which was. And I was the first black PTA president since 1970. I forgot what year it is. It's either two or four. It's somewhere in the book. There was an onus on me to, that was, you know, voiced to me by other black members of the school to represent well. Yeah. Representing us all now, meaning all the black families. So I better not mess up. Yeah, but like, what does that... I mean, that is a horrible pressure. And I know yes. that that, like, I, all the privilege I get walking around as a white woman, I understand. For me, the PTA role is don't be a fucking nightmare, right? Oh. Like, you know, don't make sure that everybody brings something homemade, right? Like, yeah. you know, whatever that stereotype is. But this, so what is that supposed, I'm so sorry to have to yeah, ask this no, fucking no, no. question. What is that supposed to look like? Well, I, it, it, it was horrible and I was yeah. pissed when she did it, but <laughs> I, I understood what she was saying. She was yeah. saying, it's like, you know, in Congress, if California yeah. hadn't had a representative for all right. these years and now finally California has a rep, she was saying, finally, we have a seat at the table. You need to represent us, not yeah. just in reputation to these people, but you need to bring our needs, our wishes our our feelings, our culture into the school now, right? Which is still a lot of pressure. That's still a lot of person. pressure because yeah. I gotta assume all those goals aren't exactly the same. Like it's right, right. right? We're not like, a monolith, and right. you know. So, yeah. but but there are some general things that yeah. I mean, I I got it. I just I just didn't want to be that, you know. Sure. But sure. I got it. You just got... wanted to plan some events. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I didn't even want to do that. I know. But yeah. But I was, I had made this decision because I was in the middle of a divorce. Yeah. And I knew this would look good. And I also knew I'm, I'm organized. Yeah. Like I know I can do it. Yeah. And I needed to be able to know that because I also was battling an addiction that was threatening to peek out and reveal itself at any moment, but it hadn't yet. People didn't know. So I was safe for a while and then transitioning from that person that everybody believed had, you know, had put on this pedestal, not everybody, but a lot of people to going into treatment, which 
fortunately or unfortunately happened during the summer. So school was out. People kind of scattered. I didn't have committee meetings um, until August. And um, because I was named at the end of the school year for the upcoming year. So um, that was kind of a transition summer for me. And I was, it was excruciating. I was beyond humiliated. I was deeply ashamed. I felt like I had failed on every level, especially as a mother, that this is something that a good mother would not have let happen, that would not have let get this far. I don't feel this way now, but this well, is I absolutely, know, but I yeah. I know that when, because I'm making faces of like, fuck yeah. all of us. But like, <laughs> I, that's a, a guilt yes. that we get to live in. And and I that I think snowballs. I mean, whether yes. it's whether it is an addiction or whether it is just that general feeling of you're fucking failing at mm-hmm. at anything, yeah, related to your children. But that is a it's a really hard guilt to to work through, especially if you don't have help. Right? Yeah, like if, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I did. Once I checked into treatment, which I hated, and I hated the entire time I was there, and I remember nothing except for Scott. (laughs) Like, that's basically all I remember. (laughs) But after I got out, I was my my divorce therapist, my divorce lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you, give me a divorce doula any day of the week, right? Yes. yeah, I want to do Please. for everything now. Go ahead. <laughs> she was very prescriptive and she, you know, gave me a laundry list of things that I needed to engage in in order to, um, you know, uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. No one had ever threatened, you're going to lose the kids. No yeah. one had ever said that, but we wanted to put ourselves in a position where it would be less likely right. that custody would be, you know, decided by my addiction, basically. Right. So- you know, I went to therapy, I went to 12-step recovery meetings, a lot of them, three of them a day, plus twice a week therapy. And I reluctantly began to accept the help that was being extended to me, not only by my therapist, but by others in, in recovery. And I met another mom who was also a PTA president who had been sober for a number of years and had kids and I heard her story and I just started sobbing. Yeah. That was about four months in. And then I asked her to kind of guide me through the program. And, you know, it, it was still hard. Like it it wasn't easy that first year. I was still ashamed. I still entered all my meetings from the back and I left early and I would die if somebody from my kid's school saw me. There's no other explanation for entering a church in the middle of the day. Like... Right. What are you doing there? What were you doing at that church? And right. I was just hoping when I when I first got sober, I was hoping that I could use again. Honestly. Yeah. No. yeah. That was my hope is that eventually this would all blow over and I would be able to, you know, use things as prescribed and and drink socially. Right. And by the time I got through the first year, it became obvious to me because of how I described that that kind of sliding scale for a bottom that my bottom was, in fact, not just lower than I had imagined, but again, lethal. Like I I would have died if I continued in that way. And and so the the very thought of my kids having to bury me and or visit yeah. me in an institution for the rest of their lives was enough to keep me engaged in the program. And then eventually I was able to access something that was previously inaccessible to me, um, which was honesty, which sounds really trite, but it's true. And yeah. the revealing of my authentic self, which was not the horror show that I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> People didn't run away screaming, right? But that's hard. That's scary. No, it's hard and it scary. Hard. And and I began to really embrace it. And now, you know, it's it's 15 years this summer since I've been sober, since I went into treatment. And, you know, I, I, I to say my life is exponentially better is such an understatement. Mm. The freedom with which I live now, we were talking at the very beginning before we started that I'm 
I am I'm in a bidding war on a house right now and <laughs> nothing unstressful about that. Nothing but <laughs> but the truth is that you know it, it just I've learned this in recovery it just may not be my house. I really want it. I'm going to go hard for it. I'm yeah. going to do everything I can to get it. But I've already started to detach from the idea like that rigidity those you know they say like whatever I let go of had claw marks in it. Mm. I'm not leaving the claw mm. marks in this. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good, right? Like a, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah. a good line. Well, it's like the let go or be dragged thing, too. That's also it, good. Yeah. I know. That's really good. I'm write that down. Dropping oh pearls over here. That's the name of here. the show. That's the name of this week's show. Let go or be dragged. Yes. Dave, write it down. That is beautiful. He's got um, his post-it. Oh, but God. is so good. Okay. I want to end on... And everybody knows I say I want to end on and then we talk another hour. <laughs> right. I want to end on what replaces that? Like what, what, what do you do now? Is it, is it that there's no longer a space that needs to be filled or are there other methods or techniques that fill? I, I can't imagine ever not being haggard and broken. And I, I, in all honesty, right? Like, what do you do now? Do you remember those, like, Looney Tunes cartoons? Oh, yes, I do. And they would run, like, they'd be being chased and they'd run right off a cliff. Yes, but, and but keep they running. Wouldn't, they wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't stop running until they looked down. Right. And then they would fall, probably, presumably to their deaths, which is very dark. <laughs> Oh, I but, remember that. I remember that Russian roulette one with Sam oh yes, and Bugs yes, Bunny. I mean, right? yeah. Dark. Dark. Um, I feel like that a little bit. Like I'm doing all the things that are suggested for us to do. I meditate every morning. I work out. I worked out right before I, you know, came here to talk to you. I am of service. I attend these meetings. I'm as honest as I can be. I I set real I set important boundaries for myself and I'm honest about it. Like yeah. I just can't take that on right now because I have to be mindful of my energy and my time Yeah. because otherwise I overextend and it's not good for me. So that yeah. way I don't put myself in positions where I need something because when I start that's needing hard. something, that's, that's when I get into trouble. That's hard. I don't know which of those things work or if it's all of them. That's why I equated it to the guy running off the cliff. Yeah. I don't want to look at it too closely either. Because <laughs> I might fair. just be like, nothing's keeping me sober. Yeah. <laughs> Going down. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> right? Like, no. Right. That's fair. That's fair, though, to not want to look at it. I mean, so. I, I mean, I do, but I don't. But I just keep doing all the stuff, you know? Yeah. And And I don't examine it too closely because... It's the, you know, it's, it's not broken. Like it's working. I, I wake up happy and I, I go to bed super content and really grateful. I love my bed. Oh my God. Oh, I love my bed so important. much. Beds so are important. important. I love my quiet house now. You know, yeah. I love that Scott and I can dip out to the movies at nine o'clock if we want to, and don't have to worry about setting anything up or anybody yeah. coming home or or that we can, you know, jet off to Mexico if we want and not have to worry about shuffling schedules. And, yeah. you know, I just, I really love where I am at 58 years old. Good job. 15 years sober in a relationship that's the most authentic relationship of my life and and the best, you know, like I said, smushy, amazing relationship with my sons. Yeah. Like we're, we're such good friends. Before we head into our genius and fails, I do want a chance to let people know. Obviously, I'm just going to say it again, Stash, My Life in Hiding. Everybody knows where to get books, but I'm going to link you up because <laughs> we're all fucking tired. But the podcast, yes. the only one in the room, is so great. Tell, But, but talk about it. Tell yeah. us a little bit about it because we like to listen to things. Yes. I, I love, you know, I love podcasters, man. We are just the absolute best. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm propping myself up too. Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do it. 
so this podcast came out of an experience I had at Elizabeth Gilbert and Cheryl Strade's writing retreat in 2018, where there were 600 people and I was the only black one. That is insane. <laughs> so- right? Even the people that worked there, like I kept checking the kitchen. Oh, yes. Where like- <laughs> was it? Maine? Sorry, no, Maine. It, basically, it was the Santa Cruz Mountains, but it, it really? was way up there. Yeah. It's- you said you were checking the people who worked there. <laughs> I was. I was like peeking through the door because I, oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that that's unsettling. It was an amazing retreat yeah. as for a writer, as a creative. I had an incredible time, but I also very much felt the burden of my blackness. And I was very aware of being black the whole time. And mm. I kept getting reminded from the other oh, Sure. people that I was black. So <laughs> I'm sure they were being very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Right. They were. They were, they, yeah. They were they were they were making an attempt and I tried to recognize that. Um their their intentions I think were good. But um anyway I I, <laughs> I was <laughs> coming <laughs> coming after I got home, I was really shocked by this experience. So I, I wrote about it and I wrote about it for the Huffington Post and mm-hmm. it went viral. It was my first published article, first viral article. And what happened was I thought black people would be like, yo, sister, like we we got you. I know that feeling, blah, blah, blah. But it was all races, all ages, all ethnicities, all nationalities wow. responding to me saying, hey, I know what it's like to feel alone in a room full of people. Thank you for you know articulating these feelings. Wow. Here's my story. I'm in a wheelchair, you know, I'm overweight and I had to leave a yoga class because everybody was thin and they turned and looked at me when I walked in and, you know, or I'm broke and all my friends are wealthy and we can't, I can't afford the same things for my kids. Like it was all these stories. And I was in a podcasting class at the time. Oh, there's podcasting classes. <laughs> I, now let me feel old. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I didn't know anything about podcasts, and I was building a writer's did. platform, right? And Nobody does. 11 we still or 12 don't. years ago, none of us did. They're like, whatever. You know, go ahead. <laughs> and so I decided the hashtags were coming back the only yeah. one in the room. All these oh. responses I was getting. It's just written for you. I it love was it. written for me. So I decided, I talked to Scott and I'm like, if I did this, would you produce it? And, you know, he's not from the entertainment world at all, but he agreed. And so that was in October of 2018. And so in um, April of 2019, we launched The Only One in the Room. I think we're like at, we're just under 700 episodes now. Dang. Like, we've been, we've been cranking them out. You have been cranking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're slowing job. our roll a little bit, but we're still we're still going regularly. And <laughs> we were doing four episodes a week for a while. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to do the math. I have a once a week show and just hit 500 <laughs> after like 11 years or whatever. But well, like, that's normal. What we're yeah. doing is is <laughs> not is not you're, normal. You're running yeah. off that cliff. Run, 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 run. <laughs> yeah, and you know we've had some amazing guests. We're in the top one yep. percent podcast globally on Listen Notes and. I forgot how many millions of downloads we have. I I always get that wrong, but oh, yeah, it's, it's a okay. lot. Yeah. It's a lot because yeah. because at its core we are just so programmed to feel like we're the only one whatever it is. Yeah. And it is like to me the joy comes from knowing, like actually learning and now accepting and knowing that we're not as alone as it feels. And at the same time, giving ourselves like the space to recognize that that's a beautiful thing, but it's not also true sometimes too, right? We're not, we're not like, but to have a podcast like the only one in the room and to just be talking about it allows us all to walk into a room differently and yes. greet people differently yes. and like it just be aware i don't know why people find it so hard to be fucking aware like just to say i will allow myself to be a little more aware as opposed to oh, everybody i don't don't you tell me to be aware i like <laughs> Like, really? That seems like a lot more effort than just, like, stepping back and being like, I'm just not going to be an asshole today. Right. Right. (laughs) Or I might try to see the similarities today. Right. And not the differences. And Yeah. 
you know, that experience you had in the car where, you know, you're, you're exhausted and angry yeah. or however you described yourself. And, haggard, haggard and, and broken. Haggard. Yes, yes. <laughs> and the woman, you know, smiling and crossing yeah. the street with her kids. But, you know, at that moment, you feel like the only one. Yeah. And I'm sure if you two had had a conversation, she would yeah. have been like, girl, I was I right there yesterday. I know. It went down. I blew up. I, you know, yeah. totally like, and then I went and overcompensated and gave them all kinds of candy. And right. <laughs> we all slept in the same bed. We all slept we in the same bed. Like, My husband slept in the other room. That's right. I've now watched, you know, this show more than I ever. And, you know, I like yes. it. I secretly love it. Yeah. It's, yes. it's the pooping in the tub. Oh. No one tells you. And then they do it and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And guess what? I'm going to get in this tub later. Right. Like, you know, I, but it's, yeah, it's finding those <sighs> shared experiences, mm -hmm. but without dismissing the experiences we don't share. Yes. Yes. So, I, it, And that, I say that with such ease, but it doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, whatever. Are we, there's not, we're not, everybody just listen to any episode where I talk about trying to figure this shit out. But everybody knows that I could just go on and on about this forever. But we don't want to go on and on because what we want to do is get back on this train and ride it straight into the genius and fail segment. So everybody stick around. Laura is going to stick around and we're going to share our genius and fails and listen to yours. We'll be right back. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Electric E-Bikes. Father's Day is coming. We got the pocket knife. We got the tie, we got the soap on a rope, but why not switch it up with a gift he'll actually use all the time. Electric e-bikes, everybody. They offer a wide range of customizable and adjustable e-bike options to accommodate an array of different lifestyles. With quality feature field models, financed as low as $73 a month, your adventures won't cost a fortune and they're foldable and ship free fully assembled skip the played out gifts this father's day and give the gift of adventure with electric e-bikes visit electricebikes.com to learn more and explore the epic models electric has to offer that's l-e-c-t-r-i-c ebikes.com i'm glad you said that because nobody says that can I just say thank you to you for such a thoughtful interview? Oh my God, yeah, I think you nailed it. Bullseye, interviews with creators you love and creators you need to know. Listen to the Bullseye podcast only from NPR and Maximum Fun. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206 350 9485. That's 206-350-9485. Okay, just to make life easier, I'm going to share my genius first to just set the tone. All right. All right. My genius is I finally cashed in the kid coupons. Okay, like I'm looking at one right here. You know, the, the kids, they forget it's your birthday or Mother's Day or whatever. Or maybe they remember and they really think this coupon is a great idea. Uh, and you're like, oh my God, Stephen, <laughs> take them to the bookstore and get me a puzzle. Anyway, I had this beautiful, uh, I'll, I'll share the coupon on Instagram. It's a beautiful coupon from my oldest for one day out with Raiden. And this was for, oh, that's a Christmas one. That one expires. Whoa, it way past the expiration date. But we finally went and we had, I took them to look for glasses because they apparently, ha ha, I told you I couldn't see out of my eye. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trying to keep you blind. I just, you know, like anyway, fine. We're a little farsighted in one eye. Got the glasses, and then I took her to Tapanyaki, where they, like, 
chop all the like steak and chicken and they make the like little onion volcano that turns into a steam tray and they pop up eggshell in their hat. And it was delightful. Mm. And then Ellis had given me a coupon for Mother's Day for ice cream. I knew it was coming because he had run into the room saying, what are the things you like the best? And I was like, oh, God, I got to be careful on this. Uh, <laughs> ice cream. Going out for ice cream. Okay. You're right. So, and we went and we got ice cream and I only have one existing coupon left and it's the one I made for my husband. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, can we, can we talk about that one? Yeah, that one. Is, <laughs> I know what it should be, but it's actually to go to a record store. Oh, we need okay. about 8 million more of those other coupons. Does, yeah. that, does that become easier? One day when people aren't around and work is not like always, yeah, that'd be great. Indeed. Looking, looking forward to that becoming something that's just super accessible whenever the mood strikes. That's right. So that is my genius. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Yes. Yes. All right. Lay it on me. So wait, do these need to be current? No. God, no. Okay. They're like a coupon. They never expire. Um, My (laughs) genius is uh, we were having- I went to recovery. I'm sorry. I I got sober for my kids. Um, um, That was genius. But the genius- was we we were having people over half family and friends and it was like the fourth gathering in a while my kids were exhausted of being on their best behavior oh yeah and my older one stayed down but my younger one I told him I would call him down when it was time to eat because he was doing something he really wanted to do in his room I don't remember what it was and I secretly ordered him a pizza and I brought it up to his room and he looked at me and he burst into a smile and he goes, mom, yay, you let me be myself. Ow! And I just had tears in my eyes because I knew exactly what he meant. Yeah. He got to do what he wanted yeah. by himself. This is the way. And my other son was fine. He's super social, yeah. wanted to be down with everybody. And so that's where he was. And I let him be himself. And so I looked for ways to do that for the rest of his life. Oh my God. That is genius. That is, that is really, <laughs> that is a gift. I'm like, I'm getting excited because I like want you to bring me a pizza for like uh, any number, any night, any night, just have somebody show up and be like, here's a pizza. Stay yeah. in your room. And yes. I'd be like, that's so good. That's Do so whatever you good. want. I know. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. It was, it was a great moment. Hi, this. This is a genius. So my pediatrician's office gave us this cheat sheet for ibuprofen and Tylenol um, for children so that you know the proper dosage based on their age and weight. Very helpful. I have used it for like three or four years now. Not four years. My child's not that old. Three years. Um, but after a fiasco last night where the baby needed medicine and was screaming and my husband couldn't figure out the dosage and couldn't find the sheet, this morning... I went ahead, laminated the sheet, and I taped it to the inside of our medicine cabinet. So now it's right there when we need it, and we need to know how much medicine to give the kids without trying to deal with, like, the annoying peel-off labels or anything like that. It's right there. And I feel like a genius. doing a really good job today, and you are too. Yeah. JPL is calling. Yes. Uh, the Jet Propulsion genius. Lab is calling. That is genius. Totally. It's such a dumb one, too, like in that sense of like, I mean, I think we like all have those like, you know what? Like I have for years said that my genius is going to be, I'm going to put all those like questions that have to be answered on forms for kids, like the doctor's number, the doctor's address, the dentist's name, the dentist, like all that stuff you have to fill in for like schools and camps and whatever. And I'm going to put them in a contact card in my and then all I have to do is pull it up and I don't have to go search the internet I've never done it I like and then when it's time to fill those forms out I'm like why haven't I done this I should do it so like the act of just doing that yes yes is 
Right? And the panic when you can't find yes. the sheet. Uh, I felt that. Like, yeah. the baby's sick. <laughs> Where's <They're> the sheet? <laughs> I know. Is it all or is it nothing? I don't know. Right, right. Like, I just, just need guesstimate. No. I know. No, so it's genius. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You were doing an amazing job. <laughs> Indeed. Failures. Mm. Guys, I, I, this is one of those, like, I don't know exactly how I failed, but it clearly impacts. So uh, yesterday, yesterday, I was on a field trip with around 45, 50 third and fourth graders that involved very long drive to a pier in which we got on a boat and then traveled an hour and a half to an island and then we're there all day three mile hike then back uh, a boat and then having to drive back through los angeles to get back to i mean like it was and here is the here's actually you know what we had a really fucking great time and turns out ellis does not get seasick which is great mm. and i remembered to take Dramamine. So I did not get sick. And it was really fun. I had grabbed a backpack and not my purse. And for some reason, I have not destroyed my bank card that I canceled. I just, put, I was like, I'll put it way down the bottom of my purse. And the one that I'm using will stay not in my wallet. Why would I do that? That's weird. And so when I left, I grabbed the old card and we go to the gift shop before the trip at the pier. And I go to buy like gum and a candy bar and it did not work. And that I turned around and I asked some children if they had 50 cents I could borrow. I did. I did. They just looked at me like I was crazy. And a dad from across the room was like, I hear the call and like gave me 50 cents. But that was sort of like, there's, it's like, I know this card works. And then I was like, fine, we'll just take the gum. We're going to leave the candy bar. It's not a big fucking deal. And then on the way home, we're going to go buy a Wendy's and we're going to get French fries for dinner. And we go and that card doesn't work again. And I'm thinking it's because like, I'm not where I normally am. Right. And I, right. I, I called the card company from inside the Wendy's. Oh, no. And that's when I realized this is the old card. And I don't have my purse where anything else would be. And like I, I had to use a, uh, I'm not even going to go through the fails that will now spin off of this. <laughs> we did get our Wendy's, but it was oh. not through good. I didn't do anything good to get it. But like, or that I'm happy about. We didn't, that does not mean we ran. But like we, there was a moment I thought these ladies can't catch us if we run to the car. Like what would happen? Right. But like, cause you know, Ellis is like, what's the matter? I don't understand. Why can't we have this food? And I need my French fries. And I'm like, and like, it just, it was just a dumb thing. And we've all had that. Like I forgot my purse or I changed purses. Right. Anyway, that sucked. Bam. You suck. All right. What you got? Well, I don't think my son will ever listen to this, so I can tell this. Um, <laughs> my fingers are crossed that my kids never listen to this. Anyway. So at this point, he's in college. And he's in college locally here in Los Angeles. But he's, okay. but he's away. He's about an hour away from where I am. And I track both my kids. I still do. <laughs> They know. Do a whole they know. Show. I good. They know. They know. All right. They know. Good. I'm like always turn the app back on. <laughs> I can't that see you. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. And this particular night I was checking before I went to sleep to make sure he was in his dorm. Yep. And <laughs> he was what if not. He's not. Okay, good. Because I want to know what happens if he's not. And he was very, very far away. In fact, he was up by me. Oh. And so I called him. And Where are you? I, well, I, yeah, I called him and he, the phone picked up, but he didn't speak and they hung up. Oh my God, he's kidnapped. Oh my God, he's kidnapped. This Thank is what you. I'm thinking. Yes. And then I'm like tracing, like you can see the route that they took and he went to an ATM 
And this was, you know, this was oh. late. This was like yeah. no, um, this close was... to 11 at night. And normally That's how my has... brain works. Yeah. And so <laughs> I called a few more times and it went straight to voicemail. And I decided I was going to go to where the signal was. So oh my God, I... this is very Liam Neeson of you. <laughs> go ahead. I jumped in my car and <laughs> I, I so you can, happy. like it says, X amount of minutes to drive to... And so I just took the directions that it gave me and I showed up in this built neighborhood I'd never been in and there were apartment buildings everywhere. It wasn't a bad neighborhood, no. but I didn't, I finally I found his car. And so I'm circling the block to see if I can kind of gauge where he is and I'm still calling him, mm-hmm. still going to voicemail. The second circle, I see him at his car kissing a girl. Oh, goodbye. And (laughs) he sees me. (laughs) My God. (laughs) And she sees me. Oh, this is the best. (laughs) I try to just drive nonchalantly away. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, he's on a date. Why didn't he just text back? Mom, I'm on a date. I'm thinking he's kidnapped. Because I don't know. He does also, not want to turn to this girl and say, right? "Hold on, <laughs> that's my, my mom. mom just called. I need to text her and let her know that I'm on a date. I promise you, I'm a functioning adult right. human being." Oh, and I had no weaponry with me. I don't know what yeah, I what was going to do if know. he were kidnapped, but it I was needed be to be there. Whatever yeah. it was, I needed to be in the proximity and. So I thoroughly embarrassed him. I humiliated myself. Oh, so good. (laughs) So good. (laughs) And I, he called me about a half hour later. Yeah. It's like, mom. And I said, I know. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry. This is a, a, you're obviously you're doing a horrible job and we should all mercilessly mock you, but. This makes me feel like so less alone. Like I could see this being like what I do. I mean, like I grew up with the mom who's like, they can stab you with a syringe in the mall and say that they're taking you to a doctor. Check under your car, baby girl. They'll slit your tendons and you'll fall. You know, like like, I got constantly raised inside a diehard movie. And so I'm like, oh yeah, obviously he's been kidnapped. And obviously you did the right thing. You went out. Oh my God. Yes. I, and the ATM like sensed it for me because he had like gone to get money. I know. Somebody had kidnapped him to make them use their (laughs) ATM. You're welcome, everybody. Enjoy these nightmares for the next 20 years. Right. Money for his date. So (laughs) that was, that was it. That's. Yep. You did it. You did it. Humiliation. Good job letting go. Yes. (laughs) Hi, a long-time listener, first-time fail caller. Uh, this is actually a, a cascade of fails, well, some of which are mine, one of which is my husband's. Mm. A friend gave our two-year-old a little toy car uh, that has a bunch of stuff that it can do if you put a battery into it, but my husband decided early on uh, that we were not going to have electronic beep beep battery toys for our son. And so I threw away the instruction manual because I thought, this is just going to be essentially a block of plastic with wheels. We're never putting batteries in it. So I don't need to know how to do any of these programming things that you can do with this car. We're not going to be using that. Except then my husband, of all people, I guess felt guilty that our kid is being deprived of, you know, a modern childhood and uh, put batteries in this car. Second fail. The third fail is that it has a function that you can record things on it and then press the little windshield of the car and it says the things, except we can't figure out how to do that. My two-year-old can. And at one point I was changing him and he was kicking me on the changing table and he had the card in his hand, and I guess he was recording while I got increasingly angry uh, and yelled at him. And now that is permanently recorded on this stupid car. Uh, so we'll be in, you know, the grocery store, public, wherever. And uh, and suddenly I'll hear my own angry voice coming from this car in his hand. 
So, yes, you guys yeah. are doing a great job. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm failing. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to throw that car away and tell him who else to take care. Bye. <laughs> wow. So good. So not where I thought it was going. I know. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything else can be dismissed. The like, oh, we're never going to have our kid have electronics. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll see you on the other side of that. And then the like, okay, we're going to put the battery in. I, Yeah, I'm with you. I was thinking this is just going to be annoying or something yes. that constantly makes your child cry, but they have right. to live with it. But the fact that it recorded you. Yes. Angry. <laughs> While being justifiably angry because you get kicked on table. And it plays back publicly. <laughs> I mean, you did it. It's really good. Yeah, you did it. You tried to play with a toy with your child. Well, that, that will teach you. Right. Oh, my gosh. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Or, I mean, we didn't even get into, like, just the experience of going back and looking at your stuff on paper and, like, mm. you know, I mean, it's sort of like your own little car recording yes. that, yes. You, that you have. Playing that everybody and, has. Everybody's got it. Yes. Everybody's got it. Yes. And if you don't have it, we're going to link you up to where you can get Stash, My Life in Hiding. And Thank obviously, you. if you are not already listening to the Only One in the Room podcast, go now. We'll link you up to where you can listen to that because it's so good. Thank you. Laura, once again, thank you so much for thank coming you. on. And I now clearly want to have you back on and just talk about like worst case scenarios it's- in terms of like tracking children because that... Yes. That is such an area for fun discussion. Oh my gosh. I've never told that story before, so that's yes. great. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> oh, it's the best. Oh, so good. All uh, right. Thank, thank you. you for having me. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I One Bad Mother is supported in part by EarthBreeze. Hey, are you done with all that laundry detergent coming in those massive plastic jugs that end up in landfills and oceans? I am. Well, there is a solution. EarthBreeze. Guys, EarthBreeze laundry detergent. Eco sheets. They look like dryer sheets, but they're not. So don't stick them in the wrong slot. It's revolutionary liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle, hot or cold. No measuring, no mess. You just take it out, rip it up, stick it in your detergent dispenser, and boom! All gone bye-bye. Seriously, no residue, no nothing, and it smells nice. Switch from the old-fashioned goo to something new. Right now, One Bad Mother listeners can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash badmother to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash badmother for 40% off. earthbreeze.com slash badmother. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Listen, you like podcasts, right? Sure you do. Don't try and lie to me. You're listening to one right now, so why not try a different one? called R1, The Flophouse. Uh-huh, and on The Flophouse, we watch a movie and talk about it. And then sometimes we also do other stuff. It's all meant to be funny and fun, and we think you'll have a good time. And just to be clear, the name of the podcast is not Our One, The Flophouse. It's just called The Flophouse. <laughs> I do a lot of correcting Dan. The Flophouse, a lot of correcting Dan. All right, everybody, we're back, and it is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. This is a rant. I am, it's so, it's so unfair, so unfair that when my kids are sick, and I get to just lay on the couch and watch TV and play video games and I get taken care of, and when I'm sick, I still have to be a mom. 
I still have to drive them to school. I still have to make lunches and make dinners. And <laughs> I, I don't get to just rest. I have to mom. It sucks. And I just want to just chill and recover. But no, I have to do all the things. I have to be president of everything which makes the cold take even longer to go away. And it sucks. Thanks for listening. My God, you're right. It is 100% unfair. It is so unfair. It is one of the many things that sucks about the realities of having kids in your house. The everybody gets to lie down and rest and play video games and watch TV and, and like you can't, you have to keep doing all the things. Oh, my favorite that makes me like lose my mind is Raiden will be like, I'm having alone time in my room. I'm going to clean it and then I'm going to sit and I'm going to work on a bead project and I'm going to listen to this music that I really like. It's going to be so, and I'm like, <laughs> as I stand there, like under a cloud of rain, right? Like covered like with laundry stuck to me. Like I'm cleaning up some sort of dish that I found under the couch. You know, just, it is, I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. You know, and it's almost like, it's like a weird magnet. The moment your children hear that you are doing something, oh, your mother is working on something. Your mother is in this room. Or guys, I'm going to be in the room for 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. I have to do this, so... Don't interrupt, okay? Everybody can watch TV, whatever you want. Within moments, hey, mama, can I, right? Like, I, or, or there's the breakdown that they can't see you. And now you're somehow a cruel monster for not providing emotional support for them for this one five-minute window that you've asked to use the bathroom. I am sorry that you're sick, and I am sorry that you're not getting the rest. You're doing a good job. It's deeply unfair. And because it's us, it's parents, it's adults, we can say to each other, you're right, that isn't fair. Now, if it was my children, I would say fair only comes once a year, but that's for them. For us, it's not fair. Let's have a tantrum. Let's eat ice cream. Let's go to sleep and binge watch Netflix. All right? You're doing a good job, and you are not wrong. Everybody, you are all doing a good job. There are countless moments in our day where we want to scream, it's not fair, what about me, 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 mine, 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 no, 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 mine. And basically, it's like saying it to a room full of rocks. They don't care. They can't hear you. They don't understand. It, it literally isn't something that children can comprehend. And I, you know, I get it. With a lot of repetition and a lot of effort, it might actually be something you could convince your child, if your child is wired in such a way that they can, like, get it. I haven't found that child yet. Uh, I haven't found the energy or strength to make that sort of commitment to train my child to the degree that it would need, the amount of repetition it would need to achieve that goal. But it's not fair, and it's okay for us, even though we're trying to teach our children <laughs> things about fairness and that sometimes we have to just push through and perseverance. Fuck that when it comes to us sometimes, okay? This is a place where we get to say, it's not okay. I deserve sleep and rest. I deserve help. And you do. If you know where to find any, let me know. Because <laughs> sometimes that's a short demand. Bottom line is, as I see you, you're doing an epically good job. So join me next week back here at the lowest of the low bars, where fine is good enough. Bye. <laughs> I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues.
got to low down mama blues, got to low down mama blues, you know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, fussing by, not throw down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, fussing by, not throw down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.